all you have. You're now tuned in to the caucus race. So just sit back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far Far Away family? Hold on to your banter saddles, because I, Kyle, your galactic party captain, is about to take you on an epic audio adventure known as Star Wars Audio Archives. Can you feel the awesome vibes buzzing across the stars? I hope you are prepared and ready to unleash your inner excitement, because we are diving into episode 10. Brace yourself for a cosmic explosion of pure joy. Are you pumped to have the time of your life? Then let's fire up this interstellar party rocket and blast off into a universe of thrills. Are you ready? Let's go. Look bigger on the hollow, Mag said, his voice muffled by his hand. He and Rat and the others were all standing in front of the wall, covering their noses and mouths. The end of the tunnel was filled with a smell so rancid that it almost transcended the definition of the word. In the single breath that Rat had inadvertently sucked in without covering his lips, he'd actually been able to taste it on the back of his tongue and the roof of his mouth. It was the horribly organic, ripe, rot reek of once living tissue whose life force had evacuated it, leaving only a mass of stinking weight. What's it made of? Mags muttered. Looks like scavenged metal, debris. Metal doesn't stink like this. It's not just metal. So what is it? Kendra asked. Well, Rat pointed at a white, blade-like shaft sticking out. I'm pretty sure that's a shinbone. Human? Rat nodded. Hartwick swallowed. It took him a few tries. <laughs> Looks, Rat started to say, and stopped. He was going to say, partially digested and decided that that observation probably wouldn't bring anything helpful to the conversation. If the expressions of the others were any indication, they were holding just this side of gastric mutiny. The exit's on the other side, Kendra said, and activated her lightsaber. Hold on! Rat turned and looked back. He'd felt something, not much more than a ripple in the fabric of the Force. But he'd long ago learned to trust such quirks of perception as far more meaningful than anything gleaned by eyes and ears. He shot a glance at Mags. Lightsaber. Now. Instantly, Mags joined him and Kendra, and Raat pointed silently into a pool of shadow just beyond a bank of massive metal cases that looked as though they'd been turned into storage for droid parts. Something was moving visibly on the other side of the storage bins, and an instant later it came staggering into view. What in the name? Hartwick said. It was the first thing he'd said since the confrontation with Kendra over the lightsaber. What's wrong with him? What's wrong? Mags made a sick noise. What's right? Rat recognized the Sith acolyte making his way toward them, but only barely. He was the fifth year, known as Rucker. The left side of Rucker's face had been ripped cleanly away to reveal the gleaming infrastructure of cheekbone and jaw. His gelid eyes quivered in their sockets like a pair of infected red eggs. He was naked except for a pair of black breeches torn open at the front. 
and the massive bulge of his swollen abdomen was so badly distended that he could hardly carry it forward. He, it, stared at them for a long beat. Then it threw back its head, jaws wrenching open, and screamed. Kill it, Hartwick said. What are you waiting for? Still screaming, the rucker thing whirled and staggered toward the wall. Raat saw its mouth open even wider, the mandible popping loose from its hinges completely now. And the scream became a gargled gush as it disgorged a flood of reddish-gray directly onto the barrier, its belly shrinking visibly as it did so. Watching helplessly, Raat felt a nauseating rondelet of terror swerve through him. Like the shadow of some far-distant flying object, a late-coming refusal, despite everything he'd seen so far, to fully accept this monstrosity at face value. Am I seeing this, he thought. Am I really? Still dribbling, the thing flung its hands up to pack the mess together, working it tightly into the wall. Almost despite himself, Rat thought of the cosm wasps he'd read about and the way they built nests by filling their bellies and regurgitating the pulp. We're pulp, too, he thought. And the smell hit him in the most vulnerable part of his own stomach, making his gorge rise. The only thing that stopped him from losing total control of his gag reflex was the even more potent realization that the thing was swiveling back toward them, moving much faster now. Take him down, he heard Kendra murmur almost to herself. And she, Mags, and Rat himself advanced in a single coordinated strike. Kendra sliced its head off with one sweep while Mags took out its legs. Rat's blow slashed down the front of the body, leaving it almost perfectly down the middle. Less than five seconds later, the Rucker thing's corpse lay on the floor, drawn and quartered, still twitching. What happened to the others? Mags breathed, gesturing at the empty space. Good question, Rat said. It's a dead end here. Where'd they go? Forget it. Kindred turned to the wall. Let's get to work on this. Rat nodded, but didn't move. His gaze went back to the steel droid bins, near the shadowy area where the thing had originated. He was still thinking about that scream it had let out, high and shrill, like the blast of a living air horn. What if it had been a signal to the others? Some kind of... One of the steel droid bins fell over with a clang. And Rat saw... The students of the Sith Academy of Odesser Faustin were gathered here after all. Had been here the entire time. They'd just been waiting in silence. Watching. How many? Mags murmured. Ten? Rat said, maybe twelve? The silence exploded in a scream, and the things came spilling forward in one coordinated wave, surging into the open tunnel like a single organism. Precision killing box, Kendra snapped, right and left. She flicked a hand at Hartwig and Mags. Get us through that wall! 
Rat broke right as directed, letting his lightsaber lead him like a natural extension of his will. He pivoted and swung it down into the head of the first Sith thing that he came to, splitting its skull down to the tonsils. But its hands flung upward blindly toward him like a pair of carrion birds, and it kept fighting. Turning, he came up from below and took out its legs just above the knees, leaving the thing in a slimy mess of its own dissolution. Two more came at him, and he chopped them down with an absolute economy of motion. To the right, to the left, behind, move, move, move. Raat unplugged his mind and let his training take over. It was just like the drills in Master Harakin's pain pipe. He'd already begun to see the fight through the mirror-bright lens of a warrior, reducing the battle to a sequence of movements, like a series of doors he had to pass through to get to the other side. The things were screaming around him again, that pulsing, deliberate scream. Like the smell, it blanketed everything and made his skull feel as if it was going to pop. As he chopped another of the things in half, a white, hot shock of pain sprang up through his right shoulder. His hand went numb, just like that. The last three fingers dead around the handle of his lightsaber, and he spun around, snatching it from the air with his left hand before it hit the floor. Everything was happening with crazy, tricked-out speed, and he both saw and didn't see the thing that had attached itself to his biceps, grinning up as its incisors raked his flesh. Blood splashed around its lips like tawdry lipstick. Kendra flashed into his peripheral vision and thrust her blade crosswise through the thing's upper thorax, splashing it down in a meaty spray. Its jaws stayed locked onto Ra'at's arm until Ra'at swung his own blade down on top of it, working left-handed, cutting the thing's head apart. Across the tunnel, he glimpsed Mags, hacking his own hole through the group. His blade a fan-like blur, but the tide of bodies was too thick. If they kept coming like this, the things would have him cornered. Rat saw the black oval of Mags' mouth shouting something, but he couldn't make out what it was. We're losing, Rat thought, and then... How can we be losing? A sudden crash of electricity exploded across the cave. Rat saw one of the Sith things go ragdolling backward into the wall as if it had been jerked away on invisible wires. Now Rat could smell the ozone in the air, along with the unmistakable smoky odor of burned hair and skin. In front of him, Hartwig lunged into view, eyes bulging, his forehead a map of veins, but the look on his face was pure confusion. That's not possible, Rat thought. Only Sith Masters can use Force Lightning. How... Stand back! A voice shouted. And when Ra'at looked behind Hartwig, he saw Master Harakin standing there. Harakin's arms were thrust out with both hands extended. Down! Now! Mags and Kendra had taken down three more of the things between them and stepped over the bodies as the combat master flung his hands up and outward, hurling out streams of force lightning. The tunnel shuddered, erupting with an electrical firestorm so intense that for an instant, 
Roat couldn't see past it. He smelled his own scorched eyelashes. Even after he shut his eyes, the afterimage of the cave, the bodies and the others lay imprinted on his corneas in bleeding plaid patterns of red and black. The Sith Master kept his hands in front of him, muscles straining, jaw clenched with fury. For a moment, he disappeared yet again behind a vast, crackling hood of electricity. It shattered the length of the tunnel with a massive, ear-rending crack that rocked the entire structure to its foundation and sent loose particles of building material skittering down the walls. Rat rubbed his eyes, waiting for what he saw to make sense. Part of the permasteel ceiling above his head was torn loose by electrical shock and dangled on a slew of cables. All around him, the floor was filled with smoking corpses, severed limbs and heads, still writhing as if trying to find a means of knitting themselves back together. Some of them were actively on fire. Others lay blind, their eyes cooked in their sockets. The heat from the force lightning had literally melted off their skin, leaving webs and rivulets of liquefied tissue trickling from piles of blackened bones while the thing shifted and squirmed tried to stand and collapsed back into their own murk. In front of the foul-smelling wall, Arakan stood trembling. A tendon twitched and jigged in his jaw, and Ra'at saw that the Sith Master had bitten his lip hard enough to draw blood. Through this way, he said. Kendra pointed to the wound on Ra'at's arm. How bad is it? Not bad. Did one of those things do that to you? I'm fine. Rat tore a scrap of his pant leg loose and started hurriedly tying it around his upper arm as a makeshift tourniquet. But the blood was already soaking through the fabric, sluicing down his elbow to his forearm with alarming eagerness. Kendra was looking at that, too, along with Mags and Hartwig and Master Harakin. And Raat realized the power dynamic of the group had already shifted. As quickly as the battle had ended, he, Raat, had become a liability. Wait to be carried. Or cut loose. Out of the game. Just like that. I can fight just as well with my left, Raat said weakly. You saw. You all did. Kindra just nodded, her face inscrutable. A map of unspoken strategy. Master Harakin said nothing, didn't even seem to be paying attention. None of the others spoke either. Rat ignited his lightsaber again in his left hand and swung it down on top of the wall that the things had built here, slashing deep into the pile of scrap metal and congealed viscera, driving it home, carving out a massive chunk of debris and kicking it loose. It dropped to the floor with a soggy clank. See? he said. None of them commented. Next to him, on either side, Kendra and Mags also fell to work, cutting into the wall. Raat attacked his part of it, as if he were still working alone. The smell of cooked meat was stronger than ever, and the pain in his right arm had become a dull, pounding drumbeat. He tried to put it all out of his head, to no avail. He thought of Nictor. How fast he had changed after Jura had bitten him. They would leave him behind too, unless he showed them that he could still fight. 
Use the Force. Let the dark side strengthen you. Yet at the same time, something cautioned him about using the Force in his current state of mind. Something told him it was a bad idea. No, not just bad, a terrible idea. Who knew what he might be invoking if he summoned it now? What is your state of mind right now? A voice inside asked. Dying? I'm dying. No, that was crazy. It was a flesh wound. He'd lost some blood. Yes, but he was young and strong, trained, conditioned. He'd suffered worse injuries in the pain chamber, for that matter, even today. What if those things were infected? Rat realized that he was too dizzy to stand. A clammy layer of sweat had already crept over his forehead, one or two drops venturing down the small of his back. His vision broke into a series of yellowing ochre bands and shadows, streaking through everything, staining it. He couldn't breathe. It felt as though someone had slammed a durasteel restraining band across his chest, the pain shooting down his left arm. Gasping, he fell to his knees, shut his eyes. There was the desire to scream, but he couldn't muster a breath. Helpless, no longer having a choice, he invoked the power of Sith alchemy, the Force itself. Abide in me now. Fill me with the strength to stand and fight, to... It smashed into him at full volume, a vast black wave, torrential beyond all reckoning. Too late, Rat realized what he'd invited into his brain. It might have learned to mimic the Force. It might have answered as the Force. But it was not the Force. Rat shuddered. The others were all staring at him now. It didn't matter. In a penultimate moment of clarity, he could actually see a skeletal black fist clamping over his heart, squeezing it until the muscle burst. He could feel his body shutting down, whole systems crashing, blood pressure and respiration failing, as this contaminated version of the Force took over. Mine now the sickness said, mind, body, and soul. Not killing him, transforming him. Raat felt a dark orchestral surge of relief rushing through him. Released, he felt weightless, towering, godlike. A horrific smile gnarled over his face. He began to weep. Big, bloody tears of gratitude running down his cheeks and dribbling off his chin. I can scream now, he thought. Oh, thank you. I will scream and they will hear me. Bless you. I can scream and they will know how it feels to have an entire galaxy spread out like an open grave at my feet. The thing that had been Mina Rat jerked its jaws wide. In that instant, he saw, of all things, a pyramid, as black as the tide that had obliterated all conscious thought, a thing resting in a pair of pale hands. All at once, he knew his place in the galaxy. He knew everything. And he screamed. And as he did, he saw Combat Master Harakin standing directly in front of him with his hands outstretched. Goodbye, Rat. 
Harakin said. Rat lunged forward. A white hot explosion of force lightning exploded through him. And he knew no more. In the end, it took Tulka less than a minute to realize how much trouble he was truly in. The Whippet had never believed in fate or any kind of mystic galactic justice. In his experience, whatever happened, happened. The innocent suffered while evil thrived, and to the victors went the spoils. Even so, when his own personal circumstances went from bad to worse... He couldn't help wondering if this were some kind of cosmic comeuppance for abandoning the Jedi at the library. She'd been so certain that the flower was summoning her from inside there. Maybe it had been, but Tulka saw no advantage in going in after it. Not when he could return to his ship and put this whole forsaken planet in the past. And so he'd let her go alone. After all, he owed the Jedi girl nothing. All right, she had saved him. But he'd saved her at least once as well, and that made them even, didn't it? A new kind of darkness had risen up from the landscape now, like some night within the night, so that the Academy's snow-swept ruins glowed faintly in what little light emanated from within them. In the distance, Tulka heard screams. They were not random, these screams. They rose up and swooped down, oscillating in the wind, rising from different directions. Yet it was the silence in between that made him the most uneasy. He thought about the things that had dropped from the tower, and how many more of them seemed to be out there now, screaming into the storm. Tulka gripped his spear, checked his bow, counted his arrows, and listened to the screams grow louder, closer. With numbers like those, he couldn't help but wonder how many he would encounter on his way back to the Miro Call. He didn't have to wait long. He was detouring around a long, curved, hangar-like structure on the western outskirts of the Academy's grounds when they came at him. Crushing waves, one from either side, poured in on his right and left. Tulka smelled them, heard their screams, the lurching stomp of their advance seconds before they would have ripped him from limb to limb. He'd already kicked open the hatchway behind him and dived inside, pivoting to get his first look at the high, brightly lit, curved-ribbed structure that surrounded him. The students must have used this place, he thought. Some wit had left a handmade sign painted over the entranceway. It read... Welcome to the pain pipe. Tulka looked around. It appeared to be some kind of training simulation chamber. A wide, high space full of elaborately machined devices that protruded from the floor and walls, even down from the ceiling. Pillars, pinions, retracted coils, and battering rams. But that quick impression was all that Tulka was able to absorb before the hatch burst open behind him, allowing the flood of bodies to come spewing into the space with him. The Whippet's evolutionary process had optimized his killing skills. Now he called upon the full extent of his genetic heritage. The hatchway forced the things to enter singly, 
and Talca brought the first and second ones down with arrows, firing point-blank into the space between their eyes with enough force to embed their skulls directly into the walls. The arrows alone didn't stop them, but they held the things down long enough that he could charge forward and gouge their heads off with his spear. The headless corpses dropped to the floor with a gurgle while the heads hung in place from the walls, gnashing and twitching and rolling their eyes like hideous masks from some dark gallery of death. That was when he looked around and realized how many more had come in. Dozens. Teenage Sith zombies, Tulka thought. How in the moons of Bogdan had it all started? Every so often the universe must just get bored and decide to really cut loose. Like the corpses that had come after them from the tower, most of them had already started to rot. Others were missing whole pieces of their faces and outer musculature, turning them into walking pathology lessons without the common courtesy to lie down and die. All of them surged forward with the lurching, eager speed of things whose appetite for flesh or for death would never be fully slaked. Tucking his spear into the quiver on his back, Tulka jumped for one of the overhead support struts and swung himself up onto it, shimmying toward the control booth that he'd noticed up above. Anything that could climb to the top of the tower and crawl over the glass would have no problem scrambling up one of these girders. But he had noticed something else up here, and although it probably wasn't enough to tip the battle in his favor, it might give him the edge. And the edge was all he needed. Tulka punched one claw through the booth's viewport, gouging out a hole large enough to drag himself through, and turned around to face the wide, curved instrumentation panel that he assumed controlled the entire training facility below. The dead things were swarming in even more thickly now, crawling all over one another in an attempt to move forward. Some of them had already started trying to grapple their way up into the booth after him. Tulka reached for the simulator controls, found one labeled Swing Arm 17-155, and hit the switch. The simulator responded instantly. Two massive pillars swung down from either side of the ceiling, slamming straight into the swarm of bodies, smashing them aside and sending them flying. Tulka grunted, not entirely satisfied with the result. This wasn't his favorite way to hunt. But the numbers were against him, and he needed every advantage he could marshal in his defense. He activated another sequence, choosing one at random. Slots opened up along the ceiling, spitting loops of razor wire from both sides of the room, stretching out as the things staggered and stumbled and caught themselves, screaming. Tulka glanced back down at the controls. The monitor screen to his right was glowing bright green outlining the entire suite of possibilities for him in a clean, ray-traced diagram, the cursor awaiting its next command. Tulka chose one called Ponji Stick and tapped the execute key. The right half of the floor whipped open and a spring-loaded row of gleaming hydraulic rods burst up from below, where by all rights, they should have rammed the Sith student thing straight backward or possibly impaled them through the feet. But something else happened instead. The things jumped back, en masse, just a split second before the rods had burst up. It was like watching a single prescient organism reacting to a perceived threat. 
They moved with unbelievable speed and agility, as if they'd known exactly what Tulka was going to do, even before he'd known he was going to do it. Tulka gaped down in disbelief. Are they using the Force? Or their version of it? The question didn't have time to percolate long in his mind. Now the things were swinging up the pendulum arms that Tulka had released, dodging the obstacles from both directions. They knew he was up here and were intent on finishing him. Even the ones that he'd knocked aside had already recovered, and they'd seemed to have done so with unprecedented speed. Tulka's frown deepened. For the first time in memory, he actually felt his confidence waver. He took a step back, evaluating his options, and felt something strike his shoulder from behind. Pivoting, already prepared to rip apart whatever had snuck up behind him, he saw the bright, metallic eyes fixating on him from the chromium casing of their processors. It recoiled with an electronic burble of surprise, and Tulka realized that he was looking at Scabros's HK protocol droid. What are you doing up here? Response. Excuse me, sir. I certainly didn't mean to disturb you. I merely... Shut up. Acknowledgement. The droid's yellow photoreceptors swiveled with recognition. Tulka the Whippet? The droid's vocabulator expressed a mixture of surprise and confusion. It was my impression that Lord Scabros already dismissed you quite some time ago. Did you have difficulty finding the exit? You could say that, yeah. Clarification. It's just across the... The Whippet let out a low growl grabbed the droid's arms and pulled it to the viewport overlooking the simulator below. Look, he said, pointing. You see what's down there? The droid's head pivoted toward the open space below, seething now with hordes of undead Sith students. They were all attempting to scale the support struts, swinging their arms up. The closest ones were near enough now that Tulka could smell them. Response? Indeed, sir, but I hardly see what... Your boss is the reason why all this went haywire in the first place. Query. I fail to see why... Here's why! Tulka wasn't bothering to look at the HK's photoreceptors anymore. His attention was completely devoted to the components on its breastplate. You're an HK model. Confirm. A Zerka Core HK series. Yes, sir. But... You know what HK stands for? Response. It's an industry term, sir, but... Hunter-killer! The droid made a scandalized chirp. Correction. Respectfully, you're mistaken, sir. I am a protocol droid, proficient in millions of galactic languages, and... Zerka built you special to get around local laws banning assassin droids. Tulka was gritting his teeth now. Those flip shields over your eyes, that's a combat modification. When Scabrus brought you here, he put a restraining bolt on you. But if I do this... He yanked the bolt off. There was a brief hissing sizzle as the HK's processor muzzle shorted out. Tulka felt his skin tighten, his fur standing on end. He cast a grim look at the droid. Remember now... The HK didn't bother to answer. Weapon slots opened on its forearms to reveal an augmented laser array bristling from both limbs. 
A second later, the control booth came alive with blaster fire. The Sith things recoiled, spun backward, pitched and pivoted off their feet by what appeared to be a non-stop fusillade of hot plasma. Somewhere to the left, Tulka ducked as the HK completed a full circle, laying down a line of fire so fast and dense that it seemed to create a single ballistic wave. He jerked his head back as a laser bolt ricocheted off the wall, then bounced past him in the opposite direction. Stand aside, the droid said, having apparently abandoned its customary method of speech along with its former programming. What? Its left leg rotated outward to reveal a wider-barreled object extruded from the port. A massive jet of blue flame roared straight across the room, igniting several of the Sith things, and they staggered, blazing, screaming as the flamethrower erupted a second time. Through the sea of burning corpses, Tulka could see a clear corridor to the exit at the back of the simulator. One of the Sith things was slashing its way toward him, jaw sagging hideously, its face on fire. Tulka yanked his spear from where it was still strapped against his back and rammed it as hard as he could into its wide open mouth. Jerking the spear back, the whippet glanced in the opposite direction. Where are you going? the droid asked. Back to my ship. Tulka was already halfway across the floor. He turned and looked back at the droid. You staying here? Here? With them? The HK didn't hesitate. It followed the whippet down through the simulation chamber, out of the pain pipe, and into the snow. Oh, wow. I can't believe the wild adventure we just heard in Part 10 of Red Harvest. We hopped on a freaking lightsaber ride that took us on an epic cosmic whirlwind. It was like being swallowed up by the force itself and then spat out the other side. Whoosh. I mean, seriously, it was a thrill like no other. It makes you wonder, will living in the Star Wars universe be the craziest thing ever? The challenges we deal with on our planet seems like a tiny speck compared to the galaxy-wide excitement out there. I mean, forget everyday troubles when you got Jedi, Sith, and starships tearing up the galaxy. But seeing and hearing it unfold would be pretty cool. Like hearing the quote of this episode unfold right now, as it is delivered to us by Aisha Tyler. She said, success is not the absence of failure, but the persistence to keep going despite it. This message resonates deeply with the pursuit of success in everyday life. Contrary to popular belief, success is not solely defined by the lack of failure or a smooth journey. Instead, it emphasizes the importance of persistence and resilience in the face of obstacles and setbacks. The quote acknowledges that failure is coming. It is part of any worthwhile endeavor, but it encourages us to embrace failure as a learning opportunity, a stepping stone towards growth. Success is not about avoiding failure altogether, but rather about developing the determination and fortitude to keep pushing forward despite it. In the face of failure, it is critical to maintain a resilient mindset. It requires us to bounce back from disappointment, learn from our mistakes, and adjust our approach. It's about cultivating the strength and persistence to rise above setbacks and continue moving towards our goals with unwavering determination. This quote also highlights the importance of endurance. Success rarely comes overnight or without effort. It often requires continuous effort, dedication, and a willingness to stay committed even in the face of adversity. Ultimately, this quote reminds us that success is a product of attitude. By embracing this perspective, we can navigate the ups and downs of life with greater determination and continue to strive for success in all endeavors. And I think with that, we conclude this episode. But hold on to your Ewok because Chapter 11 promises even greater marvels and excitement. 
So join us next time for part 11 of this epic story. And until then, may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pickfield Media. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel and is distributed by Swaycast Network. Star Wars Red Harvest was read to you by Jeremy Owens. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I'm your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.